2: Hey is welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan Lennon, that'd be your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, we talk movies, video games, comic books, pop culture, all that stuff that uh, we love. I mean, when we started this show in 2005, I don't think uh, this was at the uh, popularity that it is now. With the comic movies, and the 17 Batman movies, and the Comic-Con, and the Marvel Universe, but... We've been here for 15 years, we've seen it grow with us, and I really appreciate y'all checking out every week. But if this is your first, well, welcome. That's what we do. We talk pop culture, and I've got a great show for y'all today. My good buddy, Robert Schroeder, who I've known for almost 20 years, uh, has a brand new movie coming out called Ultrasound. It hits VOD on uh, March 11th. That's (laughs) Jonathan, get your days straight, and uh, Connor uh, Sticholti. I think I got that name right. Uh, It's based on a comic book that he put out. I call it a comic book. It's actually a series of graphic novels because it's just not the 22-page graphic novel norm. But uh, that one's called... uh, Let me see. I got the graphic novel here. I did read a lot of it. And uh, it's called Generous Bosom. And the movie's not called Generous Bosom. The movie is called Ultrasound. It comes out on the 11th. And uh, we're going to talk about it. Adapting the comic. I'm going to keep saying comic. I'm so sorry. The graphic novel series the film, uh, putting it together during a pandemic, finishing it during a pandemic, uh, premiering at Tribeca, and really, like, we're going to talk to two creatives of the visual arts here on Geekscape, because it's what we do. Remember, like, we're one of the top shows in film interviews here on the podcast um, landscape, and I appreciate you making us one of the uh, podcasts that you listen to every week. we got some great shows coming up um i know that we're gonna have that batman review the new robert pattinson batman coming up so you want to subscribe to the the uh podcast and share it with your friends okay we've been doing really great best numbers we've ever done so i really appreciate all the word of mouth okay let's enough with the hemming and high i think enough of y'all are listening let's get the show started Geeks let's get to it. The movie's called Ultrasound. It comes out March 11th on VOD. Uh, let's see who's in this movie, okay? I, I did watch it. I watched it today. It's got Vincent Carthizer, You know him from Mad Men. Uh, who else has it got? Chelsea Lopez. Oh, I think Brita Wool. I think you last saw her on, like, Mr. Mercedes, if you watched that show. Uh, that's, like, a Stephen King-involved show, so I'm guessing some of y'all at least watched it. Uh, Rainy Qualley, who I found out was Andy McDowell's daughter, uh remember Andy McDowell. I love Andy McDowell. Come on. Greystoke? Come on. Did you not know? Like, who's who hasn't seen Greystoke? Rays, or, you know what I'm talking about, Geeks Gavis. A little older Geeks uh would know about Greystoke. That's one of my favorite Tarzan films. Um, but let's get to it. The movie's called Ultrasound. It's a little bit of a mind bendy journey um and uh let's see the comments uh dan Dan gilbert over there in texas goes let's go commute listen he's uh he's in texas commuting joey kochik on youtube says holy shit i'm actually watching live dude i appreciate it um joey where are you watching from I, i know you moved out of la and then mr jason elliott who i believe is in houston is actually watching on LinkedIn. He's probably dropping those resumes and watching Geekscape at the same time. (laughs) It's crazy. I've started streaming this thing on LinkedIn and uh, it actually has a per capita reaction larger than any of the other platforms, including Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. So LinkedIn is where it's at. Uh, But there's Jason uh, Elliott saying, how are you, Mr. JL? I have a feeling that Jason and I might talk in the next two days because my Utah Jazz are visiting his Houston Rockets. Um, And that is a different podcast <laughs> that's a uh that's a sports podcast we don't have that on the network but we do have like 20 other shows on the network ranging from like pro wrestling to music to horror movies female filmmaking to comedy to all sorts of stuff and the person in charge of running the network is right here his name's matt kelly and he says i'm so excited for this well good i'm glad i like having creative talks with creative people uh and joey's joey's now with his dog crypto i'm guessing he's a superman fan uh he live in north of boston now so that's cool and uh Garrett Briones is on YouTube, says, Hey, plug that Garrettscape. Um, y'all who are watching on YouTube, definitely subscribe because Garrett's got a pretty cool video starting out uh, that's hitting the, the network tomorrow over on YouTube.com geekscape TV. It's all about uh, that first season of Netflix's Daredevil and why it, I think in his argument, is the best Marvel like film or TV adaptation ever. You know, I love it. I do love that that first season of Daredevil. I like the first couple. All right. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let me get right to the filmmakers. Here's Rob Schroeder, who I've known for almost 20 years. He's the director of Ultrasound. Hey, Rob. Hey how you are up. you, brother? Great to see you. How are you? Uh, <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Um, we were doing some tech stuff right up to the drop. And uh, and we got it all worked out. I guess the Geeks will be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then let's let's have Connor here. Connor uh, Sixxulte. He is the uh, graphic novelist who put out this uh, this comic, Generous Bosom. Uh, which, if if y'all are fans of, if you know, who do you get compared to? Um, I think artwork style. If you're a fan of big graphic novel publications like Blankets that have a really like. St- Nice, strong pencil style to them and ink style to them. Uh, I think some of like Jeff Lemire's indie books are in there, and obviously, I'm guessing that you could compare it to the big ones too. Um, what would some of those big ones be, Connor? I'm. It's on the edge of my. Uh, you have to say same. I, can't, I can't. I can't. I can't. I know. I, to the I, big I, ones here. You, you can. <laughs> you can. I'm obviously thinking of like Ball and what's the one where the kids go in the woods and they end up like having sex with the SCDs Oh yeah. And, like, black, weird. Black hole. You can probably black see it, the sh- it. That's the red book right there. Yeah. Black hole. Charles. Yeah. Bates, I, yeah. And, and black hole is one of these movies that like, or one of these properties that they keep talking about, Oh, they're going to make a black hole movie. Oh, they're going to make a, it just never happened. But I mean, yeah. honestly, Connor, maybe we start talking to you because you're the originator of this material that turned into this movie ultrasound. Um, what the heck? <laughs> I think is ultimately what we gotta t- <laughs> I mean, you are an indie comics and graphic novelist, mm-hmm. and like do you even touch superhero books, or is that like nah man, I'm gonna go play over in this wide field of other stuff and let the capes like do their own thing generally, yeah, I would say that that sort of describes. my my disposition to towards it although
1: you know I'm not I I don't hold my nose at this stuff I just uh, there's just so much that's great in the indie space that that is is what I'm yeah uh, interested in I think like um, what I got when I got super psyched about comics like in my early teens or something like that it was a lot of kind of on the cusp of like the mainstream and indie stuff. It was stuff like bone or scud, the disposable assassin and stuff oh, like yeah. that. They were like, you know, Rob really got me into it. Yeah.
2: Rob, we, we shared a roster with uh, Rob and I were on the same, uh, directing roster over at Rob's production company, Lodger that's responsible for ultrasound and Geekscape. My partner who started Geekscape with me, George Callert, is Rob's cousin. George is my partner in Geekscape lodger i feel always feel like is a bit of like the sister company that has the production arm uh responsible for some of the videos we've made over the years and also has helped us with films like dock of the dead um that geekscape co-produced so whenever i think of like the work that roger that rob i put you all together that george and rob put do over at lodger uh whenever i think of the work y'all do over there I do, i do always think about us as like that roster and there was a window where Who's that dude, Billy Proveda, over in Santa Monica? When we used to like collaborate with him, do you remember that, Rob? No. Billy Proveda was that dude in Santa Monica who would help us on like with like super music video pitches and stuff like that. The oh, British guy. Okay. You don't remember that dude? No, I remember. He's a good dude. I, he ha- he had his own roster of directors,
0: uh-huh. and we had our roster of yeah. directors,
2: right? Because yeah, like yeah. Adam Mortimer's, Adam Mortimer was on the show like a year and a half ago with his film, mm-hmm. right? We love Ben Adam. Barnes. We love you, Ben Barnes. Um, when w- Belly Provedas had the Scud creator as a director on his roster. Oh, Rob remember. Schraub. Yeah, Rob Schraub, who like did all who are the guys in, in Santa Monica that do all the weird films? like short films um the way way to research this stuff jonathan i didn't know we we're going to be talking about rob shop like going in <laughs> are you talking this, about but...
1: like the is it like the starburns stuff is that what you're thinking?
2: the starburns guys all yeah. those starburns dudes who we all know because literally they share the the booth next to us and like all these huge cartoonists and, and comedians have come out of starburns and, and they're yeah. still over at starburns that all came out of like that Film 101 oh, yeah. Ch- one hundred one or TV one hundred eight, channel channel one hundred one. Yeah, yeah. And Rob was part of that whole group. Yeah, yeah. With those guys, did you not know any of this stuff, Rob? Totally. That was like, like when I I went over to Santa Monica and met with Billy, and I'd gone through the roster and Rob Schraub, because I'm like you, Connor. I was like a big fan of the indie stuff, like Bone, like Madman. Yeah. yeah. I would love to still make a concrete film out of Paul oh, Chadwick's yeah, yeah. concrete. I I mean, I saw. I don't need to buy it, but I was in the comic store last week and I saw an enormous collection of concrete issues and I was like, I eh, should buy this. No, dude, you've, you've bought these things 10 times over. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'm like you. So yeah, I did get really excited when we were, were on the same roster as, as Rob, Shub, Rob Schroeder. And that's <laughs> the connection there. What else were you reading? Like, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, largely, a little town called Lewisburg. Okay. in uh, yeah,
2: yeah. In the indie comic scene, like I mean, I imagine whatever their comic stores is, th- is there, and I'm guessing in the '90s, like you're doing everything you can to avoid like just reading the Clone Saga, right? <laughs> like just Spider-Man books and X-Men books and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I'm like, realizing Whoa. now that I that I can that I have like
1: more of a an, an idea of what was going on in comics history when I like got into it. But it, yeah, it was like I was just getting psyched on comics just after the big sort of like bust had happened in the 90s and so yeah i i had to drive an hour to get to the nearest comic shop and it was like a big deal you know we would drive to state college pa where where uh you know where penn state is and everything We'd, yeah you know, go to the comic swap there in state college that would be that was my spot
2: matt kelly who runs the the podcast network he went mm-hmm. to he's a penn state graduate oh man i'm sure he's, he's familiar with the comic swap. Of <laughs> that he yeah. might be um so you're into these indie books. What are the ones that are popping off the shelves? You mentioned like Scud. I'm, I mean, you had to have loved Daniel Klaus and that stuff too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I would say probably, yeah, Velvet Glove Cast and Iron was, is a definite influence on, on this material for sure. Like or the kind of strange psychological surreal stuff. And,
2: and yeah. did you go to school for art? Was this something that you were studying? Like it like, when, when did you start drawing? Um, I, I drew, you know, all
1: through my life. And then I, uh, yeah, I went to I went to art school for undergrad. I actually have a degree in it's a degree in painting. But um, it was in like undergraduate art school that I got into making comics, I found a sort of crew of friends, uh, where we all wanted to make comics together. And we started self publishing zines and it was kind of all over from there. We were, we, it was in, uh, I went to the Maryland Institute college of arts. We were really close to Bethesda, Maryland, where the small press expo happens. And so we would go there every year and that was my first kind of introduction into, um, indie comics culture and self-publishing and all that stuff. And it was just, that was, yeah, it was all over. Once
2: I got to visit SPX. It's insane. I I, I mean, as a comic book lover, the closest I've gotten was writing comics. You know, I've written comics here and there off and on for different places. But the I'm just not the artist. Like, even when I try and micromanage the artists with, like, the blocking of the panels and things like that, mm-hmm. I realize that that's, that's – Jonathan, that's not your strong suit. Like, mm-hmm. they are artists. Let them be artists. And maybe something closer to a Marvel method where you throw a plot and yeah, let yeah. them break do the breakdown – is a little better to the pacing of comics but the pacing of comics is very very different than the pacing of film which is where rob and i kind of came up in. we were we were always film guys i'm guessing right rob is that accurate yes but the but ever since i've known you you've always been the dude who goes to like secret headquarters i think is still like roughly your comic shop right yeah rob yes. like you go to secret headquarters and you come back with like a graphic novel and you're like hey man have you seen this and even though I do like the indie comics and even though I do like the superhero comics and the big two and maybe Image and Dark Horse, I, you and I would always have a bit of a discourse about like what the most recent big indie is. Yeah, even at, so how did, even it, yeah, go ahead. Like we've been to many
3: conventions together and I know yeah. it, like at the end of the day, I'd go to the, go to your booth and be like, look at
2: all the shit I got. I'm going to put it <laughs> under your booth.
3: Like, isn't this amazing? And you'd be like, it's all good. It's all good, dude. A pile of paper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we we need the giveaways. Every now and then Matt Kelly would accidentally give your comics away. I'm kidding. Yeah. He never did that. <laughs> he never did that. And you know what? We're coming I think we're coming back to Comic Con this summer. I think the the whole pandemic thing has allowed like I know they're rushing to put WonderCon together. Uh you got an email today that's like come WonderCon badges are on sale. I think WonderCon's supposed to be like in a week. <laughs> that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But <laughs> but I did apply for Comic Con rooms for exhibitors, so excellent. Yeah, I think we're back this summer. Knock on wood that that you will be able to put your indie comics back under the booth. (laughs) But where did you discover this one generous bosom? Like, because this didn't seem like something that hit the shelves before you started developing it that much. Did you have a prior like relationship with Connor? Were you just somebody who like on an indie scene was like, hey, there's this creator out in freaking Maryland? That is doing some cool work, and I'm going to pick up his book before it hits shelves. Like, tell me about no, dude. This thing, you, Rob. you
3: put your finger on it. I was I was at Secret Headquarters. Um, I want to say it was 2015, and the first book was on the shelf, published by Breakdown Press in the UK, and uh, I feel like it was recommended to me. Um, but I read it, and I was very intrigued, but didn't really know where it was headed then second book came out in 2016 and that's when uh i reached out to
2: connor to see what was what was up over there because um i quit you've been looking for your first feature for i i'm not i mean i like correct me if i'm wrong but you, but i think as an indie director doing the music video and commercials and producing and i gotta say like rob is an emmy award winning director like he directs the actors on access stuff um you work with some of the biggest actors in the world especially for that series right like yeah and you've done music videos for like weezer and this and that that you you know we we've seen you make some amazing videos but we're we've always been on the hunt for that first feature we've watched adam do his features we've watched some of the other directors uh, that we've come up with do their first features but you've always been in the hunt scouring good material for your first feature. Yeah.
3: Um why and this one? Yeah, I'd like I do enjoy producing too, and I I did a lot of producing on this one, and then we've made a couple other films, uh Sunchoke, Uncle Kent Two. Um so you know, it's it's always been kind of my passion to tell stories on a big screen. Um but yeah, this was this was the one that I guess checked all the boxes.
2: Well, I mean, having seen the, the the graphic novel series that Connor did, and having seen the movie, the translation between the two is that you did not take as many liberties as I see a lot of comic book adaptations take. Hmm. Is that because Connor wrote the script? Is that because like how close were you in taking this material from like Connor's pages onto the screen? Um, I mean, and do you and do you agree with that assessment, Rob? Because like I'm because like, I'm seeing pieces of dialogue that are similar. I'm seeing framing that is similar, and I'm seeing pacing and back and forth, even in the singles and things like that that are similar. Yeah, that's very interesting because
3: I put down the books because there were two books when we we got going on the
1: script. They're, Oh, yeah, there were two. There yeah. were three. Yeah, right. But, three but, when but then, we were filming, yeah. Three when we were yes, filming. Yes, but
2: there and there are sequences in three that do make it into the film, and but temporarily and structurally, they are in different places than they are in the graphic novel.
3: Yeah. Connor can talk more about um, that process because he wrote the screenplay oh, yeah. after two So books. he could cheat. It was like a cheat. Yeah, he could
2: cheat. He cheated. Yeah, yeah. he could be like, oh, I know what's going to happen, so I'll yeah. just put it in the script. You could George R. R. Martin, the whole motherfucker.
1: Yeah, sort of did. Although I actually, because has George put out his, the last book yet? No, yeah, so he doesn't I, have to. He's <laughs> yeah. playing Elden Ring. He's not doing that. <laughs> I, got, I got one up on him. But yeah, yeah, I actually did release yeah. the last book. <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, movie, the movie, we had finished it and the movie was out. Yeah, before the last book was out.
2: What is that like? Because again, like I said, like I'm thinking about that swimming sequence that is early in the film, mm-hmm. but it's not until book three. Yeah, yeah, And I'm thinking about like, are those, like, talk to me about this, Connor, because are those course, not? I don't want to say course corrections, because mm. each material, each piece is a piece by, on, in and of itself. If you're a fan of the graphic novel, that series, that's a graphic novel series, film is the film, right? But like, what adjustments are you making narratively, creatively, in consciously taking this material from page to screen? And did you inform book four in having written the full story in the screenplay?
1: definitely yeah yeah the, the last two the yeah, book 3 and book 4 were both done with b- basically a finished screenplay at that point so i like wrote and drew the first two books and then wrote the script and then made the last the this the third and fourth book kind of like from the script so like the first bit of the screenplay was based on the comic and then the last bit of the comic is sort of based on the screenplay you know it, sort of like a weird spiral.
2: How do you keep track of that? It
1: was it was tough and definitely like it was good. Rob mentioned like he put he put down the the books at a certain point because we just we just had to because there were so many different avenues and uh little details and stuff that we had you know, there was like the stuff we had talked about, the stuff that we talked about that was in the script, the stuff that we talked about that wasn't in the script, the stuff that's in the comic but not in the script, something's in the script that's not in the comic, and it would just get like super confusing. But um yeah, yeah, it was it was confusing.
2: <laughs> and 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 Rob, why put down the comic? is the next question I have for you, why not continue? Because well, the comic is pretty economic in its structure. Like it's pretty like it. Does that make sense? Like when you look at something like Blankets, which is a pretty beautiful indie book. Like it does go into these visual flourishes, but I think there's a mathematical approach. Can I say that, Connor? There's almost like a not geometric, but arch, like, like an architectural approach to your artwork, where yeah, there sure. is. Where there is where things like having a not a, just a structure but like a mirror image or a uh you know what I'm saying like there it's a structure you have a very strict structure to to, to what you're laying out almost in an architectural fashion um yeah, yeah. why not use that uh, further up and well, this is not a like you did it wrong you did it right like I'm just asking like what your what your process is well. You know, when, when Connor wrote the script and he had the two books, the potential
3: to write a 250-page script was there, yeah. and we didn't want that to happen because I knew there was no chance of ever getting that made. Um, so immediately, we, when we, you know, like from day one, we started with um, a page count, like we got to get closer to 100 than 140, and then, right. you know, started, started making... The adjustments to make sure that the page count was something reasonable that we could shoot you know on an indie budget and in a sh- short number of days so
2: did you did you have to cut the sex scenes uh we didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> um. i don't i don't want to dissuade anybody from watching the film but if you're a fan of connor's material and you're like, man, I can't wait to see those sex scenes on screen. Because let's face it, when you were 12, that's what got you into some of those comic book stores. And that's definitely what got you to pick up 8-Ball. Um, you, know, you know, some of those scenes are not in the finished film. Did you film some of those scenes? Were, were there scenes that, like, when it got to editing? Because I, I feel like, in uh, maybe I'm doing the worst effing job of saying, of, like like, asking these kind of questions. But I feel like, and I think what I'm really kind of obsessed with is, the multiple revisions because editing is yet another one. Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked like you, did you shoot that stuff? And I, the sex scenes just a joke, but I'm talking about just any of the scenes. Did you shoot yeah. that stuff and then have to lose it in editing? Because again, y'all were doing post. Y'all literally wrapped this movie the week before the shutdown. I remember the day you, you wrapped this film. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Um, we shot some more. There was some, there was, there was more sex scene. Um, but it wasn't as graphic as what's in the book. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and then there was some other really funny stuff. Um, some that we shot, some that we didn't um, that kind of kept us on track, but we didn't, we didn't shoot a ton of stuff that didn't make it in. We, we shot the whole film in 19 days. Wow. And, um, and we pretty much used, you know, almost everything.
2: So, and Connor, watching the film, and I, I know you wrote the script for it, but watching the film, how does it, like, how how does it compare and how does it, like, how does it, like, feel knowing the, the seed of this thing and then seeing it in a different iteration through the eyes of a different creator, even if you might have had a very um, close creative relationship?
1: Yeah, it's a wild thing. It was it's yeah, it's super strange because it yeah it it definitely it was like it, it yeah the the originating story like comes from a very personal place and like just the the relationship you have with a story as you're you know it took me like close to ten years to draw the whole thing so uh I, I'm like very very close to the material but even even starting with like writing the screenplay, I started to get an inkling of like oh, this is a totally different art form like. You know, just the, the like the page count thing was like if I put in every like little bit of detail and and stage direction that I'm able to do as a cartoonist into the screenplay, like it, it's it's going to be a 500 page screenplay. And so it was early in the process that I was like, oh, I have to leave space for other artists to to take this material on and make their own decisions with it. And so yeah, I mean it's it's both a sort of like painful but then really beautiful and amazing a process where it's like this thing that is very specifically yours then be- like is becomes this collaborative art piece in this really beautiful way and and yeah it's just really cool to see it it's like a, a totally different work of art that I never ever could have made on my own and would never exist without like you know dozens and dozens of people um and so yeah it's it's, it's wild and
2: I, 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 whenever I'm <laughs> describing that relationship that an audience has with art, I like to call it the one plus one equals three. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you have this 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 singular vision, right? Of like, you got Rob's singular vision as the filmmaker. You've got your singular vision as the originator of the material and the comic creator, uh, graphic novelist. Um, I don't know if you're how you stand on the whole comic book version. You can call it. Co- you can call it a comic. I yeah. call it a comic. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> so so you you got this. Some people are, some people are like, hey. If it's, it's good, if it's the difference between name. me getting
1: a grant and not getting a grant, call it a graphic novel. Yeah, sure. Otherwise, sure. it's a comic,
2: you know. Um, so, so you have these, you know, you have the, the singular vision here, the singular vision here. But yes, I think what you said is 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 appropriate. You leave the room, and I think like Rob's job, as a filmmaker's job, is then, then an extension of that. It's not over-discipline the frame or the story. So, you, because there's a third person in that dance the audience that you Absolutely. have to leave an appropriate amount of space and information for So you 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 can't just come out guns blazing and go this is what the movie is this is what the script is have a character explain everything have the thing just railroaded story-wise and plot-wise at your audience you have to literally just give them the time to do the emotional math to relate to the material to step back from the painting or To reflect on the song, right? Think about the spaces between tracks or um, sit with a book, turn the chapters, right? Like you have to have that time. And so now we've got the one plus one equals three, but we've got Connor's contribution, Rob's contribution, and then ultimately the audience's contribution. But Connor, you said that this is a kind of a biographical or personal, personal project. It's a weird film. This is a film about a guy who has, gets two flat tires on the road one night during a storm. He goes for shelter at a nearby house. He's invited to the house. He's probably drugged. But then the guy who owns the house propositions him to spend the night not on the couch. Why don't you just share the bed with my, my, uh, my wife, my young wife. who just go spend the day, <laughs> spend the night with my, my young wife, um, Vincent Kartheiser, who you know from Mad Men, is in the film, um, and he plays this guy who's who's kind of taken a weirdest shelter of his life here in this house. Um, what was the origin of this? Because you did call it a, a personal project, but it is a it is a little weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a directly autobiographical or anything like that. Yes, but... it is. <laughs> 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 yes it is okay you got me you got me <laughs> you're good you're good john
2: spoilers <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's,
2: it's a, this is a simulation Conner. you're trapped you're a rat in our maze now welcome to geekscape <laughs> you're trapped in here with all the listeners <laughs> <laughs> or it's left of them if i keep going on these diatribes yeah uh, w- what was this event or series of events or your upbringing that led to something like this
1: yeah there's a lot of stuff i think like the two the two major ones that that spring to mind when, when folks ask about that is like when I was in high school, I saw a, a hypnotist perform like at the, like uh, I think it was after it was either after, it was after homecoming or prom at our high school. And I saw like friends of mine uh, get hypnotized and do things, you know, that they would never have normally done in front of, especially in front of an audience of people. And, and even like they had suggestions that were like planted in their heads that then I had, talked about it later and like, you know, thing, things would,
2: you and like uh, a little bit
1: like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like like the, the, words
2: the... Years later, you would say something and then suddenly have this recollection.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah I was going to say, um, I don't want to like spoil anything, but there's a bit about no. like a ticket in at that sort of towards the end of our film. And sure. the, the thing about like someone hiding a, a winning lottery ticket and then somebody asking them where, where it was. I did that to a friend of mine, like the, the the hypnotist was like you have a winning lottery ticket hide it someplace and after the show was over you know it was like 20 minutes after they were all like awake and fine I went up to my friend I said hey where's your lottery ticket and this like glazed expression went over his face and he like went to reach for where he had hidden his ticket and he pulled it out and he was like wait what how did you know about that and was just like had this like just indescribable kind of expression on his face of like confusion and kind of fear <laughs> and it was Do, so you, strange and uncanny yeah
2: you don't think that stuff is a bunch of ballyhoo oh
1: no of, i don't like no. you
2: really believe in all that what did i watch i watched the nightmare alley where, mm. where the game of the tour movie have you seen that one rob that's um, the one that where bradley cooper kind of like goes in with the with a circus and he learns the tricks of basically conning people as a hypnotist and then it flash forward is a couple years and um he and Rooney Mara are now in New York and they're doing the hypnotist thing and um and they get wrapped up like being con- like he's he's a con artist right like he's using mm-hmm. tricks to to act like he's a hypnotist not a hypnotist but a, a clairvoyant he's mm-hmm. he's using like 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 personal takes and tricks um that he learned from David Sutherland back in the circus to like like sp- basically scam people and he's in the scam is he's going to get his come up And you sense that the whole time you're watching the movie, you're like, someone's going to figure out that this guy's a fake and he's going to find himself in a very uncomfortable situation. Cause it's Guillermo del Toro and, and characters don't have pleasant experiences in his movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but that Bradley Cooper character is a con artist. Like when you watch this stuff, like this whole almost like second reality or like third eye thing, like you, you believe that the hypnotist, gnosis thing
1: yeah yeah i believe i believe people did you
2: believe it before that or was this the convincing factor
1: um i think i probably would have believed it before then but then definitely seeing seeing that performance for sure convinced me
2: yeah and did you seek this material out afterwards or you're like holy crap this is real let me did you become like an aficionado of this stuff did you seek out more instances where you could challenge this newfound belief in the the like I don't even know what to call it like the what would you call this like the surreality I don't know what you'd call this you know but this ability for people to hypnotize people did you do want to go under hypnosis yourself
1: oh no no I've never I've never sought that
2: out myself that's why he's a comic book creator he's like the story is mi-. like listen rob you can go out and make your little four color funny all you want but this story is mine i'm gonna control it and hell no you're never gonna hypnotize <laughs> yeah. me i gotta, I gotta have my feet I gotta, I gotta have my feet on the ground every sure. moment of the day or right. is that are you like that connor are you a bit like uh th- this is how it's got to be not not in a bad way but just hmm. in a in a confident way
1: like in terms of the uh are you talking like creatively in terms of the
2: personally storytelling style like is that is that do you find yourself um and i and and i'm talking about myself as well like i don't drink alcohol like do you find yourself wanting like uh, an amount of control over any given situation or in your storytelling or in your collaborations with others
1: somewhat although i would say like probably among my cartoonist friends i'm probably uh I, i think that i'm probably a more collaborative uh person than, than some folks that I'm, you know, friends with and I know, but I don't know, maybe that's, that might be a better question for Rob because I don't know how. (laughs)
2: uh... Yeah, Rob, was Connor a pain in the ass? (laughs) Yeah, it was. No,
3: (laughs) you know, I think pretty, pretty early on, we both realized that, you know, we were, we were along for a ride. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we certainly, both of us certainly exhibited as much, you know control as we could but when you're making you know a low budget movie too you're also sort of at the mercy of the locations that you can find and afford or you know mm-hmm. the number of days you have so you can't, you can't do the complicated, complicated shot, that shot that you thought was the most important thing in the world so
2: did that affect Connor's script were there times when you would go back and be like hey Connor like I know this is a big part of the story or or I mean no big were a part couple. of the story the story's complete there were a couple mm-hmm. little
3: ones there was a scene like of wrote some really small but important scenes and some of them, you know, would take place like a 30 second scene at a, a grocery store. And there was a baby, for example, it's like, we can get a grocery That's store book, yeah. with a baby and a bunch of extras, but something else has to go. So and it's a
2: company move. Yeah, yeah.
3: So one, yeah, it's a company move. So even though it's a quick thing, it's half a day. We don't have, yeah. you know, half a day for 30 seconds is better be really, really important. Um, so you know there's a lot of that I feel like you know with our music videos that we've done together over the years and you know with this it's it's about priorities so there's always like what's the most important thing for yeah, this yeah. day and you know you just have to make constant sacrifices so um, and
2: for you Rob like what connected you to the material because like I mean I talked to Connor and Connor said that this experience with the psychic started him down the road to this because I, I i mean watching watching this the vincent carthizer character the one he vincent plays um start to find himself throughout the as the film goes on like not being in control of the situation and finding himself in a spiraling series of events um i'm super psychoanalyzing connor at that point and i'm like oh this dude Whew, red flags, control freak. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> okay, but 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 well. if that if, if that's what it was, I mean, just this, I, I can see how it spurs your creativity. And all, I'm being silly, but but in all honesty, I can see how that's that kind of event would spur a creator's what if, like, whoa, what if, what if, oh, oh, and then this happens and there's the domino effect that leads me through a story that's going to take me years to do. Like it takes you time to make these graphic novels. Um, for you, what was the thing that connected? I know that I, I, know that we're all always hunting for material for you. What was the one that was like, this is it. I'm going to send the email. I'm going to make the phone call. I mean, I, I certainly
3: can't take credit for this sentiment, but
2: nobody's going to toast you,
3: <laughs> but adapting, <laughs> adapting material, feel like a lot of it is about the experience that you have when you're introduced to it. So you read the book and then if you find like your reaction is sort of your guide for adapting it. So you read the book and you're terrified, then you hope to make a terrifying movie. Um, mm-hmm. And you can rely on that experience of reading it um, in a way that you couldn't if you wrote it yourself. So that was it. Like the confusion at the beginning, you know, it was, it wasn't the whole story. So when I had read the first book and then the second book, I was intrigued and I had this, you know, unsettled feeling of shifting reality. And, you know, the story is nested and there's a lot going on. So that I found very exciting. Um, And then there was the practical, the practicality of it that, you know, I sensed um, that this might be doable, you know, like I might be mm-hmm. able to get this thing made, you know, we don't have too many grocery stores with babies <laughs> and a bunch mm-hmm. of shoppers. Yeah. It's, it's stuff that, you know, we could probably put together.
2: Yeah. And it, it, there's, the, I, I imagine, and let me see if I can find um, some of the artwork here. For those of y'all watching the stream on YouTube or Facebook or, or twitch um let me see if we can find some of the artwork i've got here of the graphic novel um here's generous bosom for y'all and just looking at the artwork and i know i'm streaming through it pretty quick here on the screen um some of this stuff is just people talking in locations you know you have and you do have a lot of the shots like Connor is filmmaking something that you had interest in or is this language that you picked up as a comic artist? Cause we're, we're looking at a traditional over shoulder, you know, doubles coverage kind of stuff. And if I'm reading this, in the comic shop, I, I think I'm thinking what Rob's thinking. I'm like, this guy has a, a film. eye. this is paced like a film. And at the end of the day, people talking, I can afford that. <laughs> um, this might be the one that I make into a film. Uh, was that, were you cognizant of that kind of stuff as you were making it or was it always just going to be a series of comics?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that it's hard, it's hard to like fully, fully go all the way back to, to, to what I thought. I mean, I, I, I've always had an interest in film for sure. And, and I feel like always you know when i'm working on comics i feel like they're they're in conversation with with films and and movies i see like inform the way i make visual and storytelling decisions 100% but i think that yeah my ambition at the start of this book was that it would be a comic book you know and and i that it would be like a big long uh sprawling comic book but a comic book sure. yeah
2: and who are some of the creators working now that you still like Aspire to or get influenced by.
1: Mm, there's a ton,
2: um, man. Like if somebody's listening right now and, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you know what? It's comic book Wednesday in a day." Let me, you know, let me go pick up that one that Connor suggested. What would something like that be if they really wanted to step away from the capes?
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, um what? Yeah, the the people that have had the hugest in- influence on me have been like the the peers that I came up with at uh at the Maryland Institute College of Art and and a lot of them are still making comics like my friend Lane Milburn just put out an amazing sci-fi uh graphic novel with Fantagraphics this past year called Lure that is mm-hmm. amazing and I think and I think would would appeal to folks that are that are into more like sort of traditional comics because it's beautifully drawn it's in full color um and and it's really informed by like sci-fi literature um uh, yeah, I mean, my friends, like, yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking like a lot of my, my friends and peers, but, but I think that the, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm biased. You can shout out your peers. Yeah. Cause I mean, Fa- I Fantagraphics
2: they're... is not a small publishing company no, no. in the Indies case. Like yeah. Fantagraphics also has a booth at Comic-Con. We should have your friend at the Geekscape booth this summer okay. if he's in San Diego. We should have him signing at the booth okay. telling people about Laura. I mean, the reason I think I started this show way back when was because we're not at this crazy like place that we are now as geeks where this stuff is so accessible and everybody knows about the Z list Marvel characters. I don't, I don't think most of us had the, like this level of collaboration or access 15 years ago when this started, you know, now I think people, for instance, Hmm. if you wanted fantasy 15 years ago, you had Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Now there's, you have like people talking about wheel of time and stuff that like we i hadn't even thought about that stuff since high school mm-hmm. right middle school and now there's like dragonlance now there's tabletop so if you're talking about fantasy you're not just talking about lord of the rings anymore you're talking about tabletop you're talking about elden ring and dark souls when you talk about just video games you're just you're you're dicing up the 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 pie even further there have been so many niches here mm. that like, How do you find some of this stuff? I think this is absolutely the place where I would want you to well, recommend stuff to the list. Connor Connor has a Fantagraphics
3: book uh, coming out soon too. Good, yeah,
2: cause yeah. his ass is going to sign at our booth too this summer. <laughs> can yeah, put a stamp yep. on that one.
1: Yeah, we're collect we're collecting the all of the generous bosom books under the name Ultrasound is going to come out with Fantagraphics. Uh, should be May. We're thinking, but yeah.
2: Now a spectacular, big, spectacle Hollywood film that's going to be up there in the big top, right? You're going to have that, yeah. by Rob Schroeder, yeah. <laughs> You're going to write the you going to write the forward to that, Rob? No, no. Kinda <laughs> is going to ask one of his graphic novelists buddies to do it. There's, there's
1: no forward. There's no forward. But
2: <laughs> just, just put the movie poster on the cover. You know that, like when that happens when you like you yeah. read like one of those adaptations. You know what I saw? There's a video game called Dante's Inferno. And, and they, they republished the classic Dante's Inferno, <laughs> and they said the basis for the popular video game of the same name, In the cover of Dante's Inferno, the classic it. literature, yeah. had the cover from the video game on it. That's perfect. And that's what they were putting out in freaking Barnes and Nobles and all that. That's on the a Amazon. savvy operator, like, though,
1: because you know, you know, you know, the Inferno, <laughs> the Divine Comedy is like
2: public domain. So they just have to. Is yes. <laughs> yeah. got got anything put... these gamers are going to want to read? Yeah, <laughs> these gamers yeah. are into the Game of Thrones. We got anything like Game of Thrones? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, could we got some go cantos to, to throw at them. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> when I saw that, when I saw the video game cover to Dante's Inferno on. The Divine Comedy, I was like That's amazing. We're spir- we're spiraling the drain culture. <laughs> like this. that's what you gotta do. You gotta take the comic. You've already changed the name. You gotta take it and put put Vincent Kartheiser's picture like right there on the yeah. front. <laughs> come on. Co- Connor, we'll come we'll on. Connor
3: did make a,
1: a new cover that's really nice.
3: Yeah,
2: I did. Does it have the stars of the film in it?
1: Uh it does not. I actually have the I have the original Man, artwork right here. I can show it. I can show it to you.
2: Do you wanna toil and as a Come on, man! Sell out, Connor. <laughs> this is this is
1: roughly what the what the cover for the let me see the book. Oh, that's like, pretty cool. Yeah,
2: that is pretty cool. I still need you to sell out, Connor. All right, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, Connor. That's yeah. what you do. You know what? <laughs> F it. Put Ben Affleck on the cover. <laughs>
1: Why not? Why
2: not? What's he gonna do? Yeah. You know, say this is what you do. This is what you do. Put the Rock on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, see
1: sell some Let's see how many issues. Here's what
2: you do. Sell, you want to sell some books? This is what you do. Put Harry Potter on the cover <laughs> fighting the Rock. <laughs> this Is what you do. And and Rob, you just you know don't worry. When they discover the book, they're gonna find the movie. All right. They're gonna be right. like, wow, yeah. this looks, this looks pretty tight, but I don't want to read. I'm gonna go over rock. here to the VOD and I'm gonna go look for this Harry Potter versus the rock movie yeah and i'm gonna watch that and just don't tell them i mean listen they're gonna be watching this movie and the movie's weird like the movie's psychological and it's weird and it's it's trippy they're gonna be watching this movie they're not gonna know when the rock and harry potter are gonna fight they're (laughs) gonna get to the end credits listen the whole movie's gonna end and they're gonna be like what what the fuck did i just watch did the rock fight harry (laughs) potter in that i don't feel like i was lied to or or tricked so yeah that was pretty tight that's what you gotta do marketing 101 all right, we'll get we'll get the PR people on the phone. <laughs> listen, this is why I'm doing a podcast in my we'll, we'll, office. We'll wake like, them up. Uh, don't listen. <laughs> don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. That cover looked horrifically beautiful. Like it looked like it was. It does. It looked like the. It looked like what I felt when I watched the movie. It looked like somebody whose identity was put into question, and there was a multifaceted sort of. Yeah, does that make sense? Like there was, yeah, yeah. it was a it, that, that piece of art looked great. Looked amazing. Um, do you ever write for other people? I know this is a film, but as far as your graphic novelists, do you ever let other artists jam on your scripts or is it pretty much like, Hey, this is how it came out of my head. As far as I heard it script form. I think I know how this should look. Have you trusted other graphic novels to take your words and run with them?
1: I've done it a little bit, only like twice, but I really, really liked it. I really enjoyed (laughs) that process and I would, I would definitely do it again. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of like a practical thing. It's like the, the folks that I know who I want to like draw the stuff I know are busy with their their own projects. And I don't have money on hand to like pay them to, sure. to draw stuff. So it's a lot more practical to just draw my own, my own material. No, in, yeah.
2: in Geekscape, it's like even if you're working for DC and Marvel, you're not making money in comics. Like, mo- like money in comics is really, really tough to do. Like it's you got to really do tough. some Robert Kirkman level, uh, you know, adaptation of TV stuff. Mm-hmm. To And then you got to have like a fleet of other writers making properties for your, for your publishing company. So um, don't think that like, oh, this person works in comics and got turned into a movie. Don't think that that is, um, you know, let's bring on the big bucks. Like that is a grind and you really got to love it. And That's Connor, totally like you love it you loved writing the comics. What about screenwriting? Is this something that like the next words that, that you put on paper, does it have to turn into a comic or are you going to continue to kind of work on screenplays? Was this the first screenplay that you wrote? This
1: was the first screenplay that I wrote. Yeah.
2: Um, Rob, why did you trust him with the screenplay? Yeah,
1: for real. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um,
2: I'm
3: kidding. He He wouldn't have given, he wouldn't have given it to me. Otherwise. Um, <laughs> is that is that true, Connor? No. When,
2: when y'all recall, I mean, first off, like, you, what'd you do? Send an email to Connor and be like, I like emailed, a email, and I emailed like, him, hey. um, and then he didn't write back. And then uh, <laughs> I think I emailed him
3: again, and just you know followed up, said, hey, hey, what's up? And then uh, we started talking about it, and and I think right out of from the very beginning, um, one, I was very impressed that Connor understood. The rest of the story, so it wasn't just the two books, he could explain to me all four uh, books where the story was headed. And um, he's just said he really wanted to, to write the screenplay or take a crack at it.
2: Um, so, but there was no chance, Rob. Like, because I, th- I mean, he did a good job with the screenplay, but was there ever, as you're waiting for those pages to come in, were you like, what if it, what if this isn't a, a storyteller that can transfer? to this medium because because like i said like the pacing's different there's a lot of different discipline that you got to put into i think there's a lot of trust you put into the script where it's like no no you got to peel back and only let it be a blueprint that kind of stuff and leave, leave space i mean was there any chance that you were going to have to just find this like some way to course correct if i mean if it Connor's probably
3: script? you know could have died on the vine Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, there was the business side of optioning material and making things and you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, we did everything above board with, you know, a proper option and contract and agreement and all that stuff. So, you know, we both knew that, you know, what if Robert Kirkman buys this or wants to make this into a TV series and I'm not directing and you're not writing and, you know, that could have happened, so I think we were prepared for anything, but the hope was that the screenplay would be good and we'd make an indie movie. so
2: And were you ever finding places in your as your first screenwriting gig? Um, Connor, were you ever finding places where maybe you knew the story and how it would be told with your pen or with your pencils? but when you got to the empty space where there are are no visuals on the screenplay page, Mm -hmm. did you, did you ever feel like, Oh shit, I just jumped out of a plane without a parachute. I don't know how to steer this towards what I'm, what I'm the story that I knew but it's veering into another place for film. And how do I maybe course correct, get it back there. Or how do I, like, where did you pull your confidence from in kind of sticking the landing on this?
1: Yeah, I think there were definitely times. Yeah, especially when I left, kind of like adapting from the pages I'd drawn and and already written and had secure, um, and and went into like the territory where I hadn't drawn anything yet. It's a um, new
2: organism now.
1: Yeah, and it is and it's and it's sort of like the section of the story that that required a lot of like attention to detail, kind of the latter portion where. Having to do do stuff like track like who's holding a given like ID card or like mm-hmm. where's where's this like note that someone got handed and things like that. Um,
2: but you don't have the luxury like Rob did of leaving the pages behind. Like Rob mm-hmm. had the luxury of being like, okay, like my responsibility right, is the film. Right. I'm just going to do the film. You have the responsibility of both delivering and finishing the graphic novel series and finishing this movie. So you do have to have a two plates spinning at the same time. Yeah, keeping for sure. them keeping them kind of like thematically similar, but organically, like, like the material has to be kind of different at the same time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this maybe goes back to, I feel like I didn't fully answer a question that you asked like a long time ago about like, it's
2: probably, it probably a crap question. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no,
1: it was good. It was good. Uh, about like adapting stuff and like the, the, like the swimming pool scene appearing sure. sooner and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was actually really fun for me to be able to like work on this material that I I'd been working on for a couple of years at that point and be like, Oh, everything's wide open again. Everything is in play again. Cause I've been like serially publishing the, the comics. And so it was like, okay, well that's set in stone. Cause I've already published that people have read it. I can't go back and like change, change those events. Like that's, that's locked in. I have to like, the only thing that's like formable is what's the future in the story. But all of a sudden with the screenplay, like everything was in play. So that was actually really fun and liberating. And I could go back and like, if I decided to zig, you know, in the third act, I could go back to the first act and you know lay the track for that or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could plant the seed to a tree that you actually thought you wanted to that you actually needed to grow sooner. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that is what people like Robert Kirkman have done, mm-hmm. or in, in, I, in the Walking Dead. I think that that's definitely something we've all witnessed George R. R. Martin do mm-hmm. in the adaptation of Game of Thrones. There's like we all watched him kind of course correct things in the stories as it made itself to screen. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when they ran out of the running room of the books, I feel like I don't want to say, you know, I feel like we all kind of felt when they ran out of running room that would have been established in the novels. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we all kind of felt the, um, uh, the foundation kind of wasn't there in the later game of Thrones series for where these relationships were going. Hey, George, yeah, do you have any notebooks or anything? <laughs> how, are to, how are we supposed to end this thing? And I mean, we'll see and, what they do with the Game of Thrones prequels and this and that. There are some people who enjoyed the, the Game of Thrones series and how it ended and stuff. And like, I think the same thing goes with like Lost. I think that um, the idea with Lost uh, and we've seen those creators go on to do some amazing stuff. Um, and they're, it's crazy. Like people are starting to watch Lost for the first time because they were born in the early thousands and Lost was... <laughs> it's insane. I'm seeing that a lot on Twitter and places like that, where people are like, Oh, I started watching lost the show from when I was a child. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm going to walk into in traffic. Um, and they're, <laughs> and they're discovering it for the first time. And they don't really know that it's going to end the way we all know that it ended. And when you listen to the creators talk, they were like, Hey, we just wanted to do three seasons. And we knew mm-hmm. how that those three seasons looked. But ABC was like, we got a hit on our hands. We're chaining you to this desk and you ain't ending us at three seasons. And I, and I feel like that was the binge show before binge shows. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly, like, it gave birth to Hulu in that Apple, or I'm sorry, ABC and in iTunes, when you were able to to, like put the show out that everybody was talking about at the water cooler. They could just go to iTunes and get it in mm-hmm. Fox and CBS, just kind of like watch that happen and be like, Oh my God, iTunes is making so much money. And it's exclusive with ABC because of Lost." So they performed Hulu. It's kind of crazy that Hulu is now part of ABC, you know, Disney, ABC. But that being said, now that things can be the form they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. I feel like lost today would be a much different show. I think lost today would be that three season show mm-hmm. with a sequel and a prequel down the line as we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. you had to do both at the same time course correct at two vehicles as you're driving two vehicles this guy over here he could be like well eh, forget the fun- forget the funny books <laughs> well, th- not only did we forget
3: the funny books uh, there was a there was a <laughs> moment when you know when i handed you know all this footage over to uh, brock bodell our editor And I gave him the script and was like, here it is. This is, you know, this is what we've got. And he had read the script before we shot. Sure. But I feel like he tossed it out the window too. You know,
2: Mm -hmm. that was, and that was the next rewrite Was the editing. Yeah. He was, you know, he was like,
3: "I, I can make this different or better or fix, I can fix some of the things you fucked up on set or whatever.
2: You know. I mean, were there things that you came to him and said, "Hey, listen, like we had a rough day that day, and I don't know if we got everything, but I need this to really work into the next sequence. I, I need, think... to, I need to marry these, I need to marry these sequences. But that first sequence, I think I don't know there how, were some we sequences,
3: it. and you know, John, you've seen the movie, so you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. But there are some sequences where you know there's going to be intercutting, and you're going to cut from a flashback. Of modern day to But
2: you're also hearing the score at that to time. To an hallucination, right?
3: like, you, to like
2: you so know, have your audio, but you're also listening to your audio and you're you're thinking about thematic like glue that you can put in there where you're like, Okay, well like if this audio comes back, people are going to relate these disparate scenes because they hear that clicking ticking sound again or they hear Yeah. That, so that was right? some
3: of that was in the script, but when you get into editing, then that's when it really shines where you you know you can find the rhythms and, and there's no reason to write that way, you know. We know yeah. that we're going to be going back and forth, but then once you know, you start figuring out how it all comes together. You're rewriting, you know, in the edit. I guess.
2: Did you ever read the script of Nightcrawler that they did? You, do you remember Nightcrawler, the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Have you read that script? No. I, I it has no it. scene. It has it has zero scene headings. Oh wow! It's like you're just reading a montage sequence, and it's like. We're on Mulholland, dip down to the valley, smash through some some streetlights. Green turns red as his car zips through. Takes a right onto Ventura, pulls up in front of a Seven Eleven. Door to the Seven Eleven swings open. Meanwhile, across town, so and so steps into their office, and you're sitting there going, "This is just a list of high energy shots. This isn't sure. even That's he, cool. like he." he's not like Tony Gilroy is not stopping to give you scene headings. And he also wrote yeah. directed. and directed. Right. And it feels like editing yeah. when you're watching it. It feels like it feels like that energy. I I think if you all Google, if you're listening to this and Google, the Nightcrawler screenplay,
1: yeah, I think you'll out. see that what I'm
2: talking awesome. about. It It's just pure energy. And I, yeah. and I love it. And then you've got, I remember reading the Rushmore screenplay when that was going around and I was interning and, we were like, oh, this movie, uh, Rushmore is the next, or maybe it was it was Royal Tenenbaums. It was like, oh, this is the one, the next one that Wes Anderson's going to do, and like, it felt like every couple of pages you just have one of Wes Anderson's like hand drawings uh. and like stuff, or maybe like halfway down the page to be a hand drawing. I think those, I think those rules are all legitimate rules. I, I, a friend of mine asked me the other day, he texted me and said, do you think a flash forward's a cop out? And uh, supposedly he had a script where. He couldn't tell, like, the character wasn't, like, you weren't investing in the character early. He wanted to show how the stakes play. He wanted to raise the stakes without changing the story. So the story had to, like, go forward temporarily, or temporarily. temporarily they had to move forward. But he wanted to raise stakes with the sequence hmm. by flashing forward. And he said, do you think that's a cop-out? And I just responded, I said, I don't think anything's a cop out. I hate those rules. I hate yeah, those yeah. rules where it's like, you got to do this this by the first five pages. I hate the rules where it's like, you got to do this. I think that's a it's great like, way to make your movie look like every other, every other person's movie.
1: Yeah, it's like, what are the movies that like abide by all those rules? They're like the ones that you don't remember. Yeah, in I, all I, that you, I think,
2: yeah. Well, I, I, the ones who that abide, I think there's one, I think there's a couple story places in town that do mm-hmm. those rules so well, mm-hmm. you fall for them every time. And I'm mm-hmm. and I'm very much talking about Disney animation. I'm very mm-hmm. much talking about the. I'm talking about Pixar the animation stuff, in, so- yeah, yeah. in Sony animation. Like if you watch encanto you watch the Pixar. If you even watch the live action Jungle Book that that John Favreau did, mm-hmm. you could basically just like to the minute, mm-hmm. to the page, feel Save the Cat or one mm-hmm. of those screenplay books that says, okay, by like the midpoint, you have to have this happen. By the inner, by the time you want to break into the third act, you got to have this happen. Like, to the page, those those page those screenplay books you know, key that stuff in. Yeah. Um. The, I think if you're going to do that, if you're going to be the Hollywood screenwriter, pl- I think that's all good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a gr- great way to do it, but you have to do it so well that you aren't speaking in someone else's language. Yeah. Yeah. Down to the dialect. The other thing is, you know, be the president of the United States of America as a band and don't have all the strings on your guitar. Yeah. Yeah. You remember those guys? Yeah. Yeah. A three string bass or like a weird ass guitar. And all. we were just making sounds to make sounds. And I think that is the Tony Gilroy approach on side on Nightcrawler. It's like, you know what? Fuck scene headings. I don't have time for scene headings because my movie's not going to stop. Hmm. In the film, I recommend you finding that because yeah. then what you're telling me Rob is getting into the edit. That's the last revision. That's the last rewrite. Yeah. You don't have to be a slave to that stuff. You can be like, oh, eff it. You know that scene that we actually shot for the second act. I think it'll actually raise the stakes in the first act and bring the audience in. We need it there. Yeah. Boom. Now I just have to figure out with my sound person and my score how to thread it back into where it's where it is now. Do you ever do that? Where you, did you take large sections of the movie, Rob, and put them where they originally weren't planned to be?
3: Not, not initially. Not initially. Like. We had an edit. The first edit was pretty close to the sequence and the script and, you know, page for page what what happened. And um, there were just a couple instances where it was like, let's, let's just mix it up. Let's see what we can come up with. And then, you know, there were those designed sequences where we knew in the script that we're jumping around. But until you actually start jumping around... Using your footage, you don't know exactly how it's going to go. But there's yeah. one interesting story that has come up. And
2: by that time, the things are colored and structured, yeah. and you're like, "Well, I can't. I can't use that as a trick to 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 marry these." Okay, tell me that story. I'm sorry. Oh,
3: it's come up a couple times, but one of the first conversations Connor and I had, I asked him which of those books he had read because I've read probably
2: ten of them. <laughs> and oh, I I hate them. I I I mean. There's a certain. I don't. I don't hate them, and and I'm lying. Like I like I do write to the sequence approach, which is like a even more further broken down version of the Save the Cat. Yeah. But once I have the but once I have the outline in my sequences, I erase them. Yeah, I, erase I the just for me I erase it's always been like, and then I mix it up. Right. It's a good place. It's a good way to get a first draft.
3: Yeah, and for me it had always been like, if you're going to break the rules, you need to know the rules. Agreed. So I'd read a bunch Agreed. of them. Like Save the Cat, Robert yeah. McKee, all that stuff you know, uh, William Goldman. So I asked Connor which one he had read and he hadn't read any of them. And I only
2: Scott asked, I'm a club making comics. Yeah. Yep. So I, but I'd yeah.
3: only, I'd only asked so that we could even just have the language, you know, like, Oh, you right. want to call it an inciting incident or a catalyst or a, you know, what are we going to, right. what did he make you read those damn books? No, he didn't
2: read any of them. I still have. I would have quit right there, man. No, there
3: was, there were no books and no, like, you know, we just made up our own words yeah. for what those things are that happen the end of Act One. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I think you do that regardless with your collaborators. You end up making words for stuff, just period. You're like, I, you know, throw throw another one of those things on there. I don't know. All right, folks, the movie is called Ultrasound. It's going to hit that VOD on March 11th. Okay. So you'll already have seen the Batman. You'll probably have already seen the Batman like three times. Okay. Like how much? A week later. We're not even. How not much? Even like, yet. How much a romanticizing of nihilism do you actually want in your lives? Okay. <laughs> like, do you really need this, a realistic take on a guy who dresses like was a rod and runs around punching clowns. Okay. We'll have fun with that. But <laughs> having seen it five times, I have more homework for you. So riddle me this. What are you going to do March 11th? You're going to download this movie on your VOD ultrasound. You're going to watch it and you're going to be like, wow, that was a trippy ass movie. Now I know what these fools are talking about on the comic book show that I listened to. Geekscape, um, Connor. Where can we follow you on the social media? I'm I'm like burping. Where can yeah. I follow you on the social media? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name is uh, my my username is just as hard to spell as my last name is. But if you if you look me up, you, you can you can find it. <laughs> it's Crepusculine <laughs> really? on Instagram. Dude, listen,
2: this is why you got to put the damn rock fighting Harry Potter on the yeah, cover I of your know, damn I comic because the marketing here. <laughs> I think the Matt is part is part, part of it. It. Yeah, is. Yeah, I don't understand.
1: It's a, I won't be respected <laughs> it as in the art it. Yeah,
2: man, I don't know, man. I just want you to be able to like. Come on, man. We got to start selling you out hard. Yeah. Don't you want some of that Walking Dead money? Come on, man. We're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we we'll or... should say there's
1: there's screenings in in Chicago and in and in LA as well. If you if you want to come do it the old fashioned way, is we're there gonna... a
2: website for that.
1: Um, we're playing at the uh, the Siskel. And I think okay. everything should be on the Magnolia site, right, Ron?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Magnolia yeah, Pictures movie has movie.
2: that going on. If you go to Magnolia Pictures website, you can find mm-hmm. out where Ultrasound's playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that distributor. They have this movie that they're also putting out with like the oil tankers like lighting up. There's like an earthquake underneath. Have you seen these disaster movies that come out of freaking like Norway or somewhere? It's like these are like foreign mm-hmm. films. Magnolia's distributing it. They solicited it to Geekscape at the same time they solicited your film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but these films look pretty badass. It's, I think it's in, in Polish or something, but um, yeah, good. It, it did look cool. I was like, see, now that's a disaster movie. I don't know about this moonfall, <laughs> but that <laughs> actually looked pretty good. Um, not that I did, not that I didn't buy tickets to moonfall. I just didn't see it because the projector broke, but otherwise I would have been right there. with uh-huh. Moonfall. Okay. Um, Magnolia pictures website. You're going to look for these because they're screening March 11th, that weekend in Chicago, in Los Angeles. I know y'all are here. Uh, you're probably going to do a little Q and A afterwards. I'm guessing, Ron. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'll be um, there in Chicago. Yep. Okay, so you are going to lock that down, and then um, you can buy the comic Where where you can get these books.
1: Well, the probably the best thing to do at this point is to is to pre order it from Fantagraphics. Pre order the the ultrasound book because the um, buying them individually, if you haven't been following along yet, it 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 would uh, be kind of expensive to jump in at this How much point.
2: It be on eBay. What do you think? What you got here?
1: Well, I just I just found out that the third one just sold out, and they're they're probably not going to reprint that. So I don't know. People have been trying to hawk them for a hundred dollars, something like that. Hundred dollars, piece That's I've seen it. I've seen it. That's amazing. That makes you feel good, though, right? Not really. When it's when it's like it could be.
0: <laughs> You're like I want to read it. it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I don't see, you, I don't, you know, I only saw whatever a dollar from yeah. that anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. God, bless yeah, God bless you. God bless you. You know, no, no, it's good. It's good.
2: It hypes it hypes people up for your next one though. I think exactly. is what it does. are like, oh, this thing's going to sell out. He, I mean, you they know they got a the it fight. while It's hot. Yeah, yeah. you have the Harry Potter fights the Rock movie, so I think you're going to do yeah. that. So look up uh,
1: fangraphics.com slash Harry Potter versus the Rock. You can download the CBR file.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you can figure out how to use CBR, Amazon. No offense, CBR, but I know people weren't happy with that merger. Um yeah. oh no was it it was comiXology comiXology is the one that merged with Amazon and people were like yeah, what I the know. fuck just happened to my comiXology yeah, um, Rob yeah. where can we find you um,
3: I'm not very into social media but uh, I have an Instagram called Tashi Rob
2: Okay, it's on there. I'm just telling you guys like it, listen you're not leaving the marketing to George are you <laughs> some of it um, oh the good god Uh I know what for, it, is what
3: here for? Also, Ultrasound Movie is on, okay. on um, Ultrasound Movie, yeah. On Instagram. Ultrasound
2: Movie on Instagram. Okay, let's do that. I think it's on, all, I think it's on,
3: I think it's on all the social medias.
2: Okay. Ultrasound Movie. Alright, that's what you're going to look for. I got Rob Schroeder here. He's the director and the writer. Connor I fucked that up hard. <laughs> you were doing good up until that last one, yeah. Yeah. Sculty. <laughs> <Stish. laughs> Steck, no. Schulte. Steck Schulte. Steck Schulte. It. There you go, yeah. Podcasting. So easy an idiot can do it. Um, <laughs> and we do it every week. We're going to come up pretty soon here with our Batman reaction to Matt Reeves' new Batman. And I think I'm sitting down um, with one of the producers of Batman uh, mm-hmm. here in the next week. Literally, in the next week, I'll be sitting down with them. I don't know if I'm live streaming that or going to the office and recording that remotely. I don't know how we're doing to Geekscape us, But the best way to find out is subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you like. Subscribe to Geekscape. You'll enjoy it. And then when you're done listening to this show, I want you to go explore the rest of the Geekscape network we've so finely uh, and carefully put together for you. we got all sorts of movies for all your pop culture needs. All sorts of podcasts for your pop culture needs. Uh, go check those out. All right. That's enough. Jonathan's rambling. Uh oh, I love you until next time geeks don't hate create we'll see y'all at comic-con peace thanks so much jonathan thank you
0: you're listening to the geekscape network